Hello and welcome back both to you and to me. I feel very rusty. I feel not totally ready because of the rustiness, but I'm also super excited to be back and to be coming to your ears, uh, whether you're in a car, on a walk, uh, listening at your desk, who knows? I'm really excited to be back and really keen to sort of dive back into the world that is mental health that I, you know, circulate quite heavily with. I'm actually coming up to almost my tenure of being in the mental health sector, which is kind of scary. I've never been someone to plan like more than a month ahead, if if that. And so it's kind of scary to think that I've been doing this for like 10 years and some of the things that I've sort of signed on to in the last sort of couple of months has meant like a five-year trajectory, which eh, I, I don't know how I feel. I feel a bit scared, but I also feel like, wow, is this not adulthood, but I'm at, am I at my next stage in life where it's like you're committing to the longevity of things? I'm not sure, but I'm excited to be back. And I wanted to give you a bit of an update on myself, a bit of an update on why I took some time away and a little bit of an update on what's coming and where things are at. So without further ado or waiting, let's dive in. So I wanted to give you a bit of an overview or a bit of like a snapshot into why I have been MIA uh, for the last almost six months. I overcommitted last year at the beginning of the year, way overcommitted. I was too much of a yes man. I was, I would say toxically enthusiastic and, and overestimating my capabilities, my stamina, and also the care I need to take of my well-being and consequently my mental health physical health we're getting there we're we're working on that but i think it was like i don't know maybe partway through the first half of the year i was feeling good i was going to conferences i presented at a conference which was super exciting i was feeling stressed but i was doing my master's full-time. I was doing the podcast. I was on some global working groups and, and panels and things like that. And I was trying to juggle work as well. And look, I thought it was feasible. I was telling everyone, don't worry, I can do it. I can totally do it. This is how I just prioritize. And this is how I do it or how I'm going to do it. And this is how I am doing it. And I burnt out and burnt out hard. And I think the snapping point was my last sort of three assessments for my master's. I had written 
you know, I had written like a fair chunk of them and had been doing fairly well and really surprising myself with how I was actually doing in the masters and kind of actually proving to myself that I was capable of further study and and specifically academic study. If you don't know me, I did like a five-year career in graphic design and communication design, which, oh gosh, I love. And I have not closed that chapter, I don't think. I am not totally sure, maybe, maybe not. But I studied in that. I did an advanced diploma in graphic design and then I did a Bachelor of Communications Design and then worked for a few prolific studios and then was freelancing myself and doing sort of like a bunch of things, which was really fun. And I would never, oh my gosh, the people I met and the time I had would never trade it for anything. Some really wild times and ones where... I sort of look back and I'm like, huh, yeah, that actually happened. Or like, wow, we managed to do that as well as turning up to work the next morning. I certainly wasn't as wild as some of my other friends and colleagues, but I was definitely there for the ride. Yeah, so I've been able to prove to myself, particularly because, and I I think there's an episode in this, my HSC, I completely flunked. If I didn't have... In New South Wales, in Australia, we have these things. It's, it's called an ATAR and it's basically your percentage ranked based on how you did throughout the year on individual assessments and exams and things like that and the final works for some of your subjects. And then it's ratio to your cohort from your school, so not from the overall New South Wales cohort, which is, I mean, I don't know whether that would have bumped me up or not, but... Yeah, you get your ATAR and then you can actually apply for, I think, yeah, ATAR is like 99.999 or something. So like almost 100, but you can't achieve like 100 maybe. I could be completely wrong, but it's been a long while since I even thought about that really. So I, yeah, I pretty much flunked it. I was heavily bullied. My mental health was not great towards the end of my year 12 year I was taking one day off a week to just as a mental health day because I just could not survive yeah I was heavily bullied I was falling behind in work and I wasn't able to sort of give my my all my major works were falling behind I had three major works but at the same time like I was doing really well for how I was being treated and the the pressure that I was under. And I must, look, I think that's another episode, let's just say, about bullying and the roles that we all play because it's taken me a long time to, to get through that. And I think a core part of that is the resilience that my parents sort of instilled in each one of our family members growing up. So, yeah, that's if you want to hear about that, let me know. So, yeah, and then going back to the ATAR thing, you can apply for certain points. So growing up rural, remote um, New South Wales, I was able to apply for those points. I was able to apply for some disability points, which, man, the paperwork, it's like um, any government benefit. You've got to have a degree in it really to, to navigate it and to actually be somewhat successful which is just its own thing. 
but yeah, I, I think I got like 51 and without those extra points totally would have failed, but I had a great support team around me and sort of just got through that and had a mental breakdown and was hospitalized and, and a whole bunch of things, which I think is out there in the, in the circulating medias of sorts. So that was a really tough time. And I firmly believe that I would not, I think I really took my actual intellectual abilities for, not for granted, but I really undersold myself and undersold myself for a long time. And it's only been since doing sort of this master's and and embarking on my career as a researcher, which still feels really jarring and chafing against how I perceive myself personally. And that's, that's its own issue. Uh, I think I've quoted Lady Gaga's 911 song before my biggest enemy is me. But yeah, my master's really proved to me that I, I do have these capabilities. I have the ability to understand complex neurobiological systems that I dropped biology and any sort of sciences in year eight. So I was not planning on going back. My, my brother's medicine, my mum's medicine, sort of always just sort of put it to them. One of my other brothers did psychology, but sort of switched over because he just wasn't enjoying it, even though he is like such a perceptive beast and, and is now working for a, a not-for-profit for youth homelessness. And sort of a lot of that really plays into his compassion and, and his work there. And my other brother, like I was saying, is does medicine and and he's sort of becoming a GP and and just really excelled in that. And my mum was a registered nurse for a large portion of, of her time until just recently. She's just finished her master's by thesis over the sort of re-equipping herself and redefining herself and getting back to her old self after sort of being a stay-at-home mum as her job, let's not get that wrong, raising a blended family with a couple of ex-wives to be a, a little bit more personal, a couple of ex-wives in the same town, all sorts of things, children of varying ages. Uh, yeah, it, it totally is a career and one that I do not envy, uh, one that I uphold with absolute respect yeah, so the medical world I never thought as, thought as me and I thought I was more like advocacy when it came to mental health and, and I still see that as a major part, but I'm injecting this knowledge side, which is really exciting for me and, again, something completely daunting, but I have to refrain from saying failed or flopped, but I, I had to put come to a halt because I just I couldn't do it. I remember sitting on the sofa on the phone to mum crying and uh, hitting up every disability service individual that I could to try and be like, what can I do? Can I get credit for what I've done in an estimation? Can I postpone the rest of the semester or do I have to do it again? Like I'm actually, can I just say they do their best and they provide a fair amount, but it is actually so discriminatory. I won't say the institution aligned with this, but I'm sure you can, I've mentioned it before that I study under and it is so 
terrible their disability services from that element of doing a whole semester and then at the end you can't complete it for whatever reason it could be mental health it could be life circumstance it could be physical health like it doesn't matter what it is you don't get the credit for that and you have to go back and start again and sit through it all and you can't resubmit your assessments for plagiarizing yourself and then if you're in a group subject which let's be real we all hate you have to do that from scratch again and while like on the silver lining you get a chance to revise and go over the material that you feel like you weren't as strong in it's still such a bloody hassle like and it's so demeaning and it's so dismissive of the hard work you have put in so that's where I found myself end of semester one last year. And so I postponed that. I sort of booked in with the podcast, I booked in, I can't remember, like maybe five more interview episodes and just petered those out through the rest of the year. And then with my contract with the University of Sydney, I really dropped the ball, like really dropped the ball. And it's something that I feel... Equal parts, incredibly guilty, but also acknowledging and and being compassionate to myself that I dropped the ball because I wasn't well. Like I was looking at rehospitalization, to be real. I didn't do that. I did two other clinical trials that I will talk about or touch on in a moment. And I actually want to do an episode on them because I've found them profoundly life-changing. But yeah, I was really severely unwell. And so I know that from a contractual perspective, I dropped the ball, but from a personal perspective, I can't hold that against me. And I know those that I work with that sort of handle the contract know that as well. Um, I've had to be really transparent about that. And it's its own thing, I think, being transparent about when you aren't doing well because, and I was talking about this with a, a dear friend and colleague who we sit next to each other at work and we both are salaried members of lived experience with the University of Sydney that we work for and we're, we're movers and shakers and we're doing our own thing, but we also both from time to time and and also like, continually suffer and I'm going to say suffer and own that because it it is really 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 hard to put it modestly and it is a daily task it is a daily decision to get up and actively pursue functioning and actively be like wake up in the morning and or you know maybe wake up in the morning and be like okay I'm going to get up. I'm going to have a coffee. Maybe I go for a walk. I haven't been doing that personally because it's it's that extra thing that I'm working towards. But get up and have a shower and clean my teeth and get to work. And I'm going to catch the public transport today because I'm going to be non-lazy or I'm going to drive in because I just need to afford myself that care and and sort of support and I'm going to stay at work for as long as I can that could be two hours that could be half an hour that could be a full day but actively choosing to do that whilst you are battling this 
this constant mind game that is invisible to anyone else. So it's been a real challenge, but also a really rewarding challenge to actually be transparent about that. And I think the challenge is that you don't want to be underestimated. And I think a lot of that is personal projection and and projecting your own personal stigma, which we've talked about a lot on this show projecting your own personal stigma onto others and and not actually giving them the opportunity to navigate themselves. Um, and I was, as I was saying, I was talking to this friend because we're both going through seasonal change and we both realised that this week, that that's what's happening. And we both were like, no wonder. But we, t- we have somewhat refrained of talking about it completely to our line manager or our supervisor's in the sense of our own fear that they'll pull back on asking us to do things or their expectation or the responsibility they maybe would have asked if they didn't know about that. And that would, if they ever did, that would only come from a place of love, support and compassion and nurturing. But at the same time, for us, it's like it feeds into that we're not capable, we're not worthy, we're, yeah, our whole complex plays into that. But again, prefacing, as I, I know you guys listen, we know it come, when you have or if you have or, or if you think about doing that, trust us that we know that it is from love and support and compassion and we really, really, really admire that and aren't indebted to sort of try and own our, own our ground. But we, yeah, we are so deeply thankful. So yeah, I dropped the ball in that contract thing. And, and one of the key sort of parts of that university partnership is their BHP project, Right Care First Time Where You Live, which is going for five years. It's eight program sites. We've just, they've just wrapped up with ACT Health and, and we're moving on to Brisbane South and, and went west. And you'll hear about those uh, later this year or across this year. But I dropped the ball on those and rightly so sort of had the mention about it and not reprimand, but being like, hey, where are we at? Are we able to pick up, you know, back to where we were? And I'm excited because I, I have already started and, and sort of sat down with the, the internal comms team and, and as of just a couple of days ago and am really keen to actually jump back on that. But again, I am saying all of this under the guise that I am not overcommitting. I do not want to overcommit. So accountability for all my friends and family, I've got them there. So small health update is that I had a really shit time, to be frank. I was not in a great space. My suicide ideation, which I've battled for the last 10, 12 years on a weekly, sometimes daily basis. And I've been in complete control of never having made a plan, never having sort of carried anything out. Trust me, I've had the invasive thoughts of like, Maybe I just step out in front of this sort of speeding traffic or maybe I take more meds than what's allocated. 
maybe I do this, maybe I do that, maybe I just close my eyes and let go of the steering wheel at a high speed. I've had those thoughts and I think it's right that I'm able to or that I should talk about those because I I know that from the research I've done, from the research I've been a part of and from all the varying things within suicide prevention, that that's just ideation. That's not creating a plan and then potentially acting on a plan, which I think there is a real discernment that's needed. And uh, it is a fine line. It is a fine line. I won't won't negate that. But yeah, I battled it really heavily and, and for such a long time to the point where I don't really know any difference about that sort of questioning of the the longevity or the hopefulness or worthwhileness, but it sometimes does come in when external things like end of semester one last year came up. It really was sometimes an hourly thing to sort of just get through, which meant a lot of sitting at the floor of the shower, just trying to process it and a heck load of disassociation. I think that's my standard, my standard play is dissociate, which hats off to my brain that it's realized that sometimes we need to do that. And sometimes is most of the time, but sometimes it's really frustrating to sort of do that. And maybe that's another episode. I don't know. I'm throwing episodes out here and yeah. And, and like I was saying, I, I engaged in two clinical trials that well, one was a clinical trial and one is cl- is clinical treatment. I'm now in the clinical treatment of the clinical trial. And they both were, one was TMS. So the clinical treatment is TMS. And I did, I think it was eight weeks of that. And I really want to talk about that with a professional and interview about that because like, like I said, life-changing, absolutely life-changing. It's, if you want to look it up, it's, and actually I'll, yeah, no, if you want to look it up, uh, it's transcranial magnetic stimulation therapy. It's been around for like more than 10 years. It's officially approved and, and there's a Medicare sort of rebates situation, benefit situation there, um, which is incredibly helpful because otherwise it's super, super expensive. But it was every day for 40 minutes um, bar weekends. And that was a huge time commitment, but also a time commitment I needed to make. And essentially, the, both these, oh, sorry, jumping, jumping ahead. And then the other one was esketamine. The clinical trial was esketamine. And I still do that weekly, but I was, the 16-week trial is like you do twice a week, then you move to once a week, and then you either stay out once a week or move to once a fortnight and sort of, yeah, work it out like that. And, and I have stayed at once a week, and that's what sort of really works for me. And what a sketamine is, is it's the purest form of ketamine, you know, like blind squid, green, honey oil, jet K, K hold, K wave, special K. That's what it is. And our body naturally produces it as well. It's part of, you know, the chemicals that help us feel good. So I did that and I've, again, found it absolutely brilliant and also was incredibly privileged to be a part of it. It's yet to be approved by the PBS, I think it is, but it's approved by the MBS. So the drug is actually free. The esketamine is free, but the clinical time and clinical space and, and clinicians is what costs. And and it's a pretty penny, but it, you know, it is 
profoundly worth it. And it, I think within the next six to 18 months, it'll it'll open up and it'll be a lot more affordable from what I've heard. And I'll do a full episode on that. But essentially what those two treatments do is they, they don't cure depression and mental ill health and they are used for treatment resistant depression or depression that just doesn't stop. And also things like bipolar and they're also looking at them in uh uh, some spectrum disorders as well and how they can help because what they do is they elevate your function instead of like looking at the the chemical imbalances. So when I say function, I mean your social and emotional well-being, being able to get out and go to work or go to uh, university or go to TAFE or uh, catch up with friends or go to a community group like a church or a bouldering or a cricket or sporting team sort of a thing. So yeah, it, it ups the function, which then in turn improves through those things, uh, improves your mental health. So there's sort of five domains that that sort of bleeds out into. So your social, emotional well-being, your uh, substance use and misuse, your physical health, so like exercise, walking, sleep, etc your suicidal thoughts and behaviors is, and that sort of encompasses self-harm and your illness type path and trajectory. And so that's obviously one of the ones that, you know, we sort of really seek. It's a holistic sort of well-being approach, which, yeah, like I said, lowers the experiences and the impeding on the daily of those classical mental health-based syndromes. So they've been fantastic and they have been really revelationary to my health, which has helped me to be able to come back and come back to you and come back to you with excitement and a little bit of imposter syndrome. And uh, I've been holding back for a number of weeks because I just have felt really like self-conscious. And like I said, like at the beginning of this episode, like worried, do I actually have the goods anymore? But yeah, so it's uh, like I said, I, I think there'll be, there will definitely be a future episode on the esketamine treatment and the TMS treatment. And I also want to do, bullying is huge. And I, I don't know whether I'll do a solo episode on that and just talking to my experience. I'm, I think I will. And then maybe we'll do one. Maybe it'll be a two part and doing one with a specialist as well. But we have a new structure. Uh, we have a new artwork uh, done by the awe-inspiring, incredibly gifted, creatively and just in life, Carolyn Hawkins, who has been such a blessing to work with, particularly doing during a bit of a rocky time for her over the Christmas break and, and also working over the Christmas break, let's just say, as well. Um and just bringing the goods, absolutely bringing the goods. And she's an incredible beast. She is an illustrator and she plays in a band and she works as a disability support worker as well in sorts. And, and Carolyn, I'm so sorry if I get that wrong. But basically she is just such a giving soul and it's been so wonderful to work with her and email with her back and forth and hear about her day and her week and and hear about what's coming up next for her. Like most sort of things, I discovered her on or found her 
for myself on Instagram and, and through the, it's nice that page, if you haven't checked out, it's nice that it's, it's a design Bible. It, it, yeah. Um, I've had a few friends feature on that. Chris Andrew Small, uh, love you, man. He was featured. He's been featured on that. Mikael Lindbergh. He's been featured on that. Love you too. Um, and now Carolyn, love you. So yeah, we've got new artwork from her and also a sort of new branding sort of rolling out as well, working with her, which is so, 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 so exciting. We're doing sort of different kinds of episodes as well. So we've got the university partnership. So I'm keen to sort of follow that. And, and I hope you are as well. We've still got guests. Dr. Romani is coming back. If you've sort of been following her, she has really sort of been producing this, this incredible content around narcissism. And she was talking about gaslighting last time on the podcast. And she's coming back to talk about narcissism. And I have... Yeah, uh, let's just say extensive experience with narcissistic individuals in my life and they are very derailing and very toxic and really hard on the self in, in how you process things, how you handle things and where you draw the line, like how far you let the string out, particularly if they are close, sort of part of your close micro circle of, of life. Um, and then like this one, short form, this one's potentially just a bit more long form because it's a bit of a welcome back to me, welcome back to you. And this is what's happening. But I aim for these to sort of be like a 20 minute chat, sit down with me to sort of open up about my experiences. And, and I guess for people to have on catalog, a lived experience voice and, and which by the way, is something that I was talking with a friend about a couple of months back about the actual term lived experience and, and how that doesn't totally translate to generally because it's kind of a paradox. But yeah, a bit of a advocacy thing and a, an a, a soundbite archive of, you know, experiences and things pertaining to certain events or topics or, or stuff like that. So, so excited for those as well because it sort of brings back some of that advocacy, which is really exciting. My next episode is with, uh, actually with Sarah McKenna, Dr. Sarah McKenna that I work closely with and she's, we're launching some new things at the Brain and Mind Center at the University of Sydney. She's got some really exciting things as a clinical lead, but I won't steal her thunder on that. That's really exciting. And that's next week's episode. And then having some time away, it's been really wonderful to actually realign, I must say, as sort of complex sort of challenging it it has been it's been really good to sort of take some time and be like okay what have been the most successful episodes what have been the ones that I've enjoyed but particularly the community and what have been the ones from an analytical perspective really hit home for for others and I've texted a number of you in the past couple of weeks of like when you listen to a podcast what sort of makes you want to come back? What makes you subscribe? What makes you want to listen week in, week out or do a binge listen or whatever? And it's been really helpful. And thank you to you. You know who you are for helping with that because it's helped me sort of think about the sort of slight fresh angles to take on certain things. And, and Emily Selman and 
you are brilliant. Uh, chat the other day about comms and things for UCID and what works, what doesn't work, what we should be looking at was also really helpful. Like external eyes, I cannot stress enough to have and to sort of as hard as it is because you often wear your heart and your sleeve as creative when you put stuff out there uh, is to remove personal connection from it and to just take the red marks, take the the red marks that are all over it and be like, okay, this is for improvement. This is to make me better so I can learn about these things. This is all of that. So and thank you so much for that because it was really educational. It was really helpful and I feel like uh, the new pivot for this year uh, going forward and, and going forward in general with the podcast is going to be so much fresher, so much more personable. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited. And, and if any of you actually uh, want to let me know about what you might want to hear about, what you want more of or who you want to have on again to talk more about something, or if you've got any suggestions on how to better the podcast as well and their ang- its angles and and things like that please 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 email me i don't know what the email will be i'll put it in the show notes because i'm i'm about to set that up i was about to give you my personal email but i'm not great at emailing generally so it'll be good to sort of just designate that to that um so i'll put that in the show notes what the email is but you can also follow me if you want but you can also dm me on twitter or instagram both are at samuel j hockey s-a-m-u-e-l-j-h-o-c-k-e-y and i respond to those as well and then if you've got my number text me yeah so that's kind of the new structure and and what we're looking forward to I am doing my master's again. I've resumed that and I'm really excited. Uh, Again, a little pissed off with the university for their discriminatory system and structure. And I know it's not one individual and and it's, it's not even just the university themselves per se. It's the academic institution of 900 plus years that just is not wired for life events and challenges really. But I'm really excited to do that. I'm only doing one subject a semester. So that's the workload is so much lighter. Uh, The podcast, we're back, of course. I've taken on a much more central role on a huge project at work, which will come to light and we'll dive into it a bit more next episode with uh, the wonderful Sarah. I am trying to get out more and sort of just a friend of mine, uh, Claudia, go for a coffee and walkies uh, or a walkies and a cough uh, is what she says and and do that and trying to text people more often and build up my social connection because let's be real, I am a frequenter of the emotion of loneliness and, and that's really hard and, and that's... Um, I think a couple of episodes that I want to talk about one solo and my experience with it and how I manage it, how I wrangle it, how I don't manage it. Um, but also one with someone who sort of is very engrossed in the subject. So yeah, I'm keen to be back. I think I've said that too much, but yeah, give us a follow, shout us out, share with people and I will see you next week.